there's a picture of a path. For those, I'm, not, I'm going to skip the introduction because some haven't been here too late. I'm just going straight into the message. Okay? We're going to stick to the ancient path. We've been looking. There's a, there's a beautiful path. Who wouldn't want to walk down that path? A little bit eerie, a little bit spooky, or a little bit uh, adventurous, I think. That's, that speaks adventure to me. That's, that's a hobbit kind of path. Phil and Andy walk down there. Phil, yeah. Stick into the ancient path. What Phil didn't know, Phil and I didn't talk to each other about what I was going to say, but the scripture you read this morning is very much what I wanted to talk about. This is the scripture that God's been given us. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look at the ancient path. Ask where the good way is. Walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. But you said, I ain't going to walk in it. Now, you could put that for purity. If some of our kids say, I don't want to walk in it, or you don't want to walk in it, it's still a good path, but you don't want to walk in it. And you'll face the repercussions of that if you don't walk in it. Yes? So God says, okay, I'll give you watchmen then who will watch over you and will help you to understand what heaven is saying, declaring. But you said, I ain't even going to listen to him. So there's a path you don't want to walk into. This is Israel. And there's a sound and a direction you don't want to listen to. So he says, okay, I'm going to use Israel. I'm going to show all the nations what I'm going to do with a rebellious nation. And I'm going to let all the nations, he says, he calls Britain, he calls all the nations, witness what I'm about to do with this woman who will not listen and will not walk in the way. Now, you and I, from time to time in our life, are like that woman. God wants to speak to us. We won't listen. God sends us prophetic watchmen. He sends prophetic people. He sends people in our life. And we do not want to listen because it's uncomfortable or it doesn't fit in with my plans. So God says, okay, I'm merciful, but I'm going to let you walk down a path of your choosing. And let's see how far you go down this path. Some people, it takes takes their very life. Some people lose 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You know, a bad marriage can take your whole life. A bad, a bad investment can take your whole life. So it's very important that we don't just walk down any path, that we walk down the right path and we get the right wisdom and the right guidance. So Jeremiah, now here's the scripture that Phil read and I want to read to you this morning uh, from Revelation chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give him the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, from chapter 2, for where that scripture is spoken, from chapter 2, verse 7, to Revelation 13, verse 9. You don't have to go to it. Eight times it says, hear you as an ear, listen. Eight times. Now, if we are at a crossroads, as a church, as a nation, then how much more do we need to listen to what God is saying? True? He said, when you come to the crossroads, stand at the crossroads and ask, which is the good way? Not what are my options here. You're not standing at the crossroads and saying, what options have I got? You're asking, what is the good way? Why? Because it's the good way that provides rest for your soul. So the opposite of rest for your soul is trouble for your spirit. Yes? So if, if you find rest by going this way, then the opposite of that is trouble. So God brings us to a, a crossroads, and at that crossroads, many of us 
stand at that crossroad with bitterness, anger, frustration, and we try and justify our next step. Come on. Very often, it's, it's trouble and hardships and, and all that kind of stuff that brings us to a crossroad, and now we look for another way just to get away from the pain. But we don't ask God, what is the good way? What is the perfect, pleasing, acceptable way I should take? Because the, the good way is not always the way that feels good. When I separated from my pastor years ago, I mean, Phil was only talking about this last night. When I had to go to my pastor and, and, and God said, write him a letter and write him a good letter. You cannot put one negative in there. You must make sure this is bang, 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 bang. I did the thing that was right. That was the right way. Some of us can't go and have a conversation because we're too bitter. So God, let me deal with myself first. Me and God dealt with us, you know, dealt with me first. And then when I wrote the letter, there was no animosity in me. So when I sat down and had that meal with my tormentor, there was no any, there was nothing inside my heart that wanted to rip his head off. Right? So I could come up my, because I, all I said to God, what is the best way? Write him a letter. That was the right way, but it didn't feel good. But it was the right way. Now I can stand here and tell you, I am clear at my crossroads to go to the next level. Why? Because there's nothing here in my past. There's nothing here in my past. So the scripture says, he who has an ear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, in Hosea chapter 9, is that the next scripture? No. Hosea, I'll, I'll read this out for you. The prophet, and along with my God, is the watchman over Ephraim. Yet snares await him on all his paths, on hostility in the, in the house of his God. So, there was always a prophet, took a path, he followed God, and yet, somehow, somewhere, I'm sure you found this, trouble seems to find you. Whichever way you go, trouble seems to find you. Now, trouble is not a sign that you're not walking with God. In fact, it's, it's a sign that you are walking with God. Just as trouble without God is a sign you're not walking with God. Yeah? I've done it both ways. I know which kind of trouble I, I prefer. I want the trouble where I know God's with me rather than I feel God's against me. So there's a choice we have to make to walk down a path, but we need an ear to listen to what God is saying. So when, a, when you come to a crossroads juncture in your life, and you may be at one right now, you must ask yourself, what are the circumstances bringing me to this crossroad? What are the circumstances bringing me to this place? It's a good question. Yeah, what are the circumstances? Every church has a circumstance when it's brought to the crossroad. There may be trouble inside the, the place. There may be sin inside the place. Every time you come to a crossroad, there's a circumstance. What is the circumstance there? Now, when you come to the circumstance, there's always options. There's always many paths. But you must ask, what is the good way? Not the way that makes you feel good. Not the way that's easy. Not the way that seems a, a, a way out. What is the good way? And when God tells you, then you've got to walk it. Hello? You've got to walk it. That is not always easy, but it's still the good way. Because God will only lead you in the good way. But Lord, this doesn't feel good. 
Lord, I'm justified. They hurt me. I shouldn't have to walk down here. You asked me for the good way. I'm telling you the good way. But Lord, Lord, but there is no buts, Tony. You asked me for the good way. I am telling you. It's up to you now which way you'll walk. But, but, but. Shut up. Either don't ask me or ask me. But when I ask you, I'll say, if you ask God, prepare for the answer. And don't ask questions you don't like the answers to. Yeah? Don't ask God the question you don't like the answer to. Now, when you come to the crossroads, ask another question. What are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me through these circumstances? What are you speaking to me? Oh, Lord, I'm here, but why am I here? What do you have to say to me that is going to be beneficial to my life? It's not always, Lord, it's the, you can't always complain about them, 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 them. Lord, what are you saying to me? We are at a crossroads juncture right now, and we're asking God, what are you saying? What are you saying, Lord, to us as a church right now? And God's very clear to us. He's saying, rebuild the family. Rebuild the family. So that's going to be our priority. Our attention is going to be, for the next seven months, we are going to minister on every aspect of family there is. We are going to get every family in this church strong, every marriage strong. Obviously, you've got, we can't sub, uh, go over your will. But we are going to provide everything we can to make every family in this church, that's individuals, that's couples, that's singles, whatever, whatever. If you're a human being, we're going to help you. Right? Why? Because God has told us, rebuild the family. You build, you build a nation one step at a time. You build a family one principle at a time. So we're going to bring the family to the wall. We're going to show you. We're going to put resources in your hand. We're going to make, I should not make, we are going to attempt to rebuild under the instruction of the Holy Ghost. We know what our next piece of work is for the next seven months. God showed us seven months, Tony, put this in place. Right? Because our nation is redefining the family every day. It's the most, it's the oldest institution and, and it's the one that's under attack every day. It's been redefined every day. So we have got to build what God says is a family and build it strong into this church. So every family is strong. That's how you begin to take a nation back. If every family in here is strong, then outside it will reflect. So that's where we're going in the next seven months. So purity, we've already started. That's the family. We just didn't start with you. We started with the next generation. But we are going to start. We are going to work with you. Because God's told us now, understanding that, hear you as an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, they're churches. There's not only, God's not only saying one thing. God's saying different things to different churches. Why? Because in different churches, there's a, there's a different obedience rate. There's a different grace. And there's a different caliber of people in every church. So God speaks to the churches. And every time he speaks to a church, he's asking them, or he's telling them, he who has an ear, let him hear. But so many people keep moving from church to church to church, they never hear what God is saying. 
Because they're never in one place long enough. Or they're never around the church they say they go to long enough. So they never know what God is saying. So therefore their prayers are greatly affected because they never know what God is saying. So they, when you don't know what God's saying, all you'll ever do is pray about you. Now there's nothing wrong about praying about you. But if it's only about you, then there's something wrong. That is, that is truth. God tells us in the word to pray about many things. Yes? In all occasions, pray about many things. But isn't it more wiser to pray about the things that God's talking to us about? Rather than praying, most Christians struggle in two areas. They struggle hearing God and they struggle praying to God. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to hear him. I don't know what he's saying to me. So people struggle. When you, don't, when you can't hear God and you don't know how to talk to God, guess what? You've got a relationship problem. You know, if I can't hear Carol and I struggle talking to Carol, how long do you think our relationship's going to last? So what do you do? You don't do it. You don't do it. And then you struggle and wonder and drift and wonder why your life's not getting blessed. But rather than come for help, you keep on wondering. It's true, we've all been there. So, he who has an ear, let him in. Now, if you finish that verse off, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So here's the question. It says you eat from the tree of life that you find rest for your soul. If you know what God is saying and you move towards what God is saying, then you can eat from what God is saying and it will bring life to your soul. But you must be able to understand what God is saying so you can eat from that which God is saying. So if I provide spaghetti bolognese today and you don't want spaghetti bolognese, there's nothing else in the cupboard for you to eat. Now, how many times have you turned around and said, well, I'll go hungry. I don't like that. But in the house of God, that shouldn't be our option. If God's feeding us spaghetti bolognese, for instance, we've got to eat spaghetti bolognese. We've got to know that what's on the menu is for me, for my good. Yes? Now, that's the natural illustration. Don't be saying, well, it hasn't got parmesan cheese on it, has it? Or it's not got any peppers in it. That's an illustration only. It's an illustration only. But what you've got to do is whatever God is saying, that's what you should be eating. That's how you should be responding. That's what you should be praying. Because that's what's on God's heart for you. So the issue is, is in Ephesus, when God spoke, this is what he said to the church. If you went to the Ephesus church and you were part of that church, this is what he said. You have preserved So you've persevered and you've endured hardship for my name and you've not grown weary, yet I hold some things against you. Ooh. You have forsaken your first love. So what was God saying? You've forsaken your first love. That was the primary issue. He gave them a little bit of history. You know, you've endured, you've persevered. That's great. So he's kind of let them know that I'm thinking about you. I've known, I've watched you, I've observed you. But guess what? The issue I'm talking to you, Mr. Ephesus, about is you've lost your first love. So it's no use the church praying something different. 
They need to know what he was saying to that church. That church had to respond to that issue. Does that make sense? That was the issue that God was trying to communicate to them. I don't care what reputation you've got, you have lost your first love. That was the issue. So so forsaking your first love will take you down the wrong path and bring you unrest for your soul. But if you cry out to God, he'll forgive you and reinstate you. So he's given it, he's, he's highlighted the problem, but he's also given it, he says, return. Return. So it's no use them praying down this path when he's saying, boys, you're not praying the real agenda. The real agenda I'm speaking to you, Ephesus, is you don't love me anymore. You're doing church without any love. Oh, wow. The very thing that you're supposed to love and be in love with, you've learned to let go and you're in love with the mechanics, but not the God of the church. Oh, so he says, okay, I've just, I've just kind of paraphrased what's going on in from Revelation 2 to 3 and 4. Then we went to Smyrna, Revelation. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I'll give you a crown of life. Stop there. What's God saying to them? Trouble is coming. Now, none of us want to hear that. But this is what he was saying to that church, and they had to respond in that light way. I'm going to put some of you in prison to test you. Some of you are going to suffer. Now, we all want to go to that church, don't we? <coughs> hey? that, that must have been a big church. That was a mega church. I don't think so. Right? But he says... For 10 days, be faithful, even to the point of death, but I'll give you a crown of life. Yeah? That path these people were on was one leading to imprisonment and death, but nevertheless, it was still a good path. That was the path God chose for them, persecution for 10 days, imprisonment. But guess what? If that's what God's speaking to us about, I have to move my heart towards what God is saying. Then I say, Lord, show me how to stand. That's a time of call. That's called a battle. But if I don't know what God's saying, I can't prepare for that. Do you understand that? So let's go to another one. Pergamon. I know where you live, where Satan has has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. That's good. That's good. So now, guess where you're living? You're not living in Ashton. You're not living in Drawsden. You're not living in, in, in Openshaw. You're living where the throne of Satan is. Yeah? But you have people who hold on to the teachings of Balaam, which are a teaching that encourages and make room for people to sin and commit sexual immorality. So what's the message he's saying? Guys, we need to clear. We need to cleanse this house. Why? Because teaching, wrong teaching, will lead a whole bunch of people in the wrong direction. So, but if you haven't got an ear to hear what he's saying, you'll keep listening to that teaching. Guess what? Based on what Paul and Emma have just shared with you, on purity... Balaam wouldn't get in here. Why? Commit sexual immorality. What's our message on? Purity. So we wouldn't have got in here. Because we're teaching a different message than what they were teaching. Balaam, which are, which are teaching that encourage... Sorry. To hold on to the teaching of Balaam, which, are, which is a teaching that encourages and makes room for people to sin and commit adultery. We're not making any room in here for people to commit sin and adultery. We're doing the opposite. We're trying to clean the house up. Why? Because God's told us, build the family. This is how we must respond in our time when God speaks. This is how we must 
respond. So every decision that you make from now, from this point on at this juncture, you must start to think in terms of family. Now, you must learn to look how it affects not just you, but us as a house. We are a family. Yes? Next one, Thyatira. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my word in your mouth. See today, I point you over nations, kingdoms, to uproot them, to destroy, and overthrow, to build and plant. What a church. This is it. This church, he reached out his hand, he touched his mouth. I think that's the wrong scripture. That's the wrong scripture. That's not what he said to Let me just, someone got a Bible. What does he say? I don't know why that's on there. It's an old slide, obviously. I've gone over. And let's not get caught up with that. Let's move on. Sardis, you have a reputation for being alive. How many, how, many, how many times would God say that about us? But you are dead. Wow. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in my sight. This is a serious issue. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard and obey and repent. Complacency, familiarity, reduce the word and put her on a wrong path. So what is God saying to that church? You have a reputation. You have a reputation of appearing that you are alive, but you actually, you're dead. You're dead. And I, I tell you what, from time to time, from season to season, you and I fall into that bracket. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Whoa. I think at this point, if this came to me, I'd be on my face. I'd be crying out to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Show me, oh God, what are my deeds? Now, if there are deeds that are unfulfilled, listen, there are deeds that are unfulfilled from a church. God is expecting certain things to be done from this church. Your deeds are unfulfilled in my sight. Folks, we have a work to do. God's given us a grace and a work to do as a church. And the families are the people he uses to do that work. Now, if our works are incomplete, how much better it would be for us to stand before God and God says, in this people, in the Dream Center, here is a work that is complete. So if, if, God, can, if God can say that these... these those deeds are incomplete in the sight of my God. Wouldn't it be good to hear God say, I like what the dream center is doing. Her, I find her deeds complete in my sight. Yes? Would that not be good? Right. For him to do that, we have to get off our blessed assurance. The family has to be built. The people have to come together and they have to move as one. My mandate is to put you to work. My mandate is to put you to work. Hello? <laughs> Look at the person at the side of you saying he's talking about us. And some of us, listen, what you have received, one dimension. What you have heard, two dimensions. What you've obeyed, three dimensions. And what you repent over, four dimensions. Four dimensions, that church was God had opened up four dimensions. They had heard, they had received, they had obeyed, and they had repented previously. But now he's saying, go back to that path and do them again. Go back to the crossroads 
And before you move, ask me what the good way is. That's the good way. Repent. Go back to what you heard. At the crossroads, you must go back to what you heard. Yes? You can't just connect to another path because it stood there. You need to connect based on what you've heard. It's so important. Now, he was in here. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So what did you hear and what did you receive? We'll determine which path we go down. We're getting near the end. I know your deeds. Ah, Thyatira was you accept false prophets and to lead you into idolatry. How many churches are leading, allowing false prophets to come in? And leading the people into idolatry. Money, money, the prophets, the, the prophets becomes the idol. Nice one, Phil. I know your deeds and I have placed before you an open door. Now, we all like that church. But the open door is for you to come and for you to go. That's not the door he was talking about. We know that door's open right now. It swings both ways. Yeah? That's not the door he's talking about. An open door that no one can shut. In other words, there's a good path that will bring rest for our souls. I've put you on it, Dream Center, because of your response to me. That's why the door's open. Yes? Protection on their path. And on that, if, you, if there's a door open and you ask me for the good way and I open a door and you don't walk in it, you're in trouble. But this is a door that no one, no other power can affect, only you. So this is a door that leads us to the next juncture of our path. Yes? So, on that road, once you take that, there's protection on that path and you find rest for your soul. Because you have ears to hear. If you don't have ears, dream sensor, to hear what God is saying, you can never walk or stay on that. You'll always find another reason to get off the path you're on. So when we say, we're doing this, we're going to teach on this, you say, ah, I can't be interested. That doesn't really bother me. You didn't have an ear to hear. And then you wonder, 10, 15 years later, you wonder, you know, it would be wonderful if my children would serve the Lord. But you had your children in church. And maybe, maybe there was mitigating circumstances called you and other things, because not, that's not only you, that, that's your fault. But let's just say you wasn't the great model neither. Let's just say that you trusted the church to raise your kids rather than you raise them spiritually. Maybe you didn't have the spiritual hardware to raise your kids. Now, God's merciful. He can revisit our kids. But you must be on the path. You must be on the path for God to bring them back. It's not enough to say, I just want them to come back to the Lord. What does that mean? You just want them to get saved so they don't go to hell? Is that, is that all you want? No, God called them to a way. He's called them to a truth. He's called them to a life, not just salvation. He's called them to a way. A way is a path. He's called them to a truth. That's what governs my life. And out of the way and the truth, I create a life. If you want your children to come back to the same place where you are, you've got to ask yourself, where are you? Where are you? Delia Smith shouted that. Where are you? Last scripture. Laodicea. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And why? 
Because you're neither hot nor you're cold. I'm rich. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Ooh. You've gone down a path known as self-reliant or self-reliance or self-reliant Western Christianity. A path that puts its hope and security in materialism. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Wow. Wow. Here I am, stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. In other words, church, they'd created a church without Christ. They had liturgy with no word. They had form with no power. They had statements without embodied truth. What was, what was God doing knocking on the church of his own door? He shouldn't be on the outside. He should be on the inside. So something had gone wrong in these people's lives which caused them to shut Christ out and have, Christ, you can only have a Sunday access to me. Or you can only have a little, uh, a prayer, uh, have a little read every day and that's the only access you get to me. God says, my word's bigger than your little daily read. It's not about you reading your daily word. It's about my word living in you. My word living in you has got to have more capacity for, for, than you just reading my word. My word's got to have more capacity in you. So every one of those churches had a circumstance. Every one of those churches was being brought to a path. Every one of those churches was given an instruction. So that's why he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what God is saying to the churches. Now notice when he said in Jeremiah about the path, he didn't say path singular, he said paths. There are many paths. God is an all paths, but not all paths lead to God. And all paths eventually will bring you to a junction, a juncture where you can ask where the good way is. Put down your nets, follow me. That's, what, that's the basis of our Christianity. You must put something down, it's called your nets. You must pick up your cross and you must follow me. Follow me where? Down the way, down the truth, to the life. What we want is the life, but not the path. We want to carry on, the, stay on the same path we're on. We want to live and play with the truth. But he says, no, put down your nets. Pick up your cross, follow me. Where are you going, Lord? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you on this path. God's chosen the path for us. God's chosen that path. There's many paths, but God said, follow me. I'm going to lead you down a path. And I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I can only make you on this path. There are many other paths. I can't make you on somebody else's path because, I've, because that's not where you're supposed to be. I called you and brought you here. This is the path. This is the way. Now follow. But if you keep going from church to church or hardly not following Christ, you're never on the path. So it's a real serious issue. It's a real serious issue that when we find ourselves at the crossroads junction, God does not want us, but he does not want our lives to be messed to be messed up. He really doesn't. He really has gone ev done everything he can to provide for us on that path. The issue now for us as a church is, do we have ears to truly hear what God is saying to us at this time? Our nation's going down one path. The church is going down another path. 
The church is silent in a moment and a season when she should be the most vocal. Our nation's got no prophetic direction because the church is silent. And yet the church is a reflection of the nation. We've got families, divorces, children. We've got everything that society's got. So we've got to eat this elephant one bite at a time. We've got to rebuild the families. And I'm going to show you a lot more. I'm going to show you from Nehemiah how we can do this. I'm going to show you from other scriptures. I really have got an insight into this. Really got an insight into this. God spoke to me while I was away. God always speaks to me when I'm on the road. Why? Because even when I'm on the road, I'm on the right path. And since that, we've sat back, we've, we've come back, and we talked to, as elders. Instantly, we had a witness in our spirits. This is the way. So this is the way. Walk in it. So over the next seven months, we're going to be working like Billy O, and you're going to be laboring, hopefully, with us, because God's going to make, help you to see that this is the way for us at this point in time. I really do believe we're going to see some significant family breakthroughs. And in our family breakthroughs, we're going to see people return. We're going to see people restored. Why? Because the family must be strong. If you've got half-hearted Christianity, your children will see half-hearted Christianity. You've got full-on Christianity, your children will be attracted to full-on Christianity. So we cannot be casual about what we believe. People died for this. People have died for this. If you're going to get in, if that church, those people in that church were going to get put in prison, then something was worth fighting for. Amen? Like I said, I'm finishing. So let's stand to our feet. We must make, let's not cheapen this grace. This grace was given for us to do a work to complete a task. Grace is not cheap, it's expensive. And God's given us His grace. To build families. So right now, if you've got your family at the side of you, just hold hands. If you've not got your family at the side, if you've not got your family with you, the person at the side is another part of your family. It's called the extended family of God. So Scott and Phil, hold hands. I would like us, if we can, maybe you don't, I know you don't understand it fully, but I would like you to sense the wind that's blowing through us right now. And it's a, it's a wind that's calling every family together. And he's saying, Dream Center, I'm going to build you over the next seven months. I'm going to show you how to tap in to the God of the family. We're going to turn the, the model around of our society. We're going to start in here. God is going to start rebuilding what's broken inside here. So that what so what walks out of this door then begins to shine and reflect in society. Yes? See, this child here is a reflection of what's gone wrong in our society. But thank God, there is a family here that can give that child and uh, can readdress some of the, in, the wrongs that's going on. That's what God wants us to do. God's, God's, uh, God's a father who's got a heart for everyone. That's what God's going to do with us. God's going to give us heart for people. Amen. So right now, let's just stand here. I'm going to declare a time of rebuilding. God's going to bring down those things, that part of the wall that's, that's easy, that wall that's decaying. I've got a wall in my backyard that you could push over with your hand. So we had to build another wall 
to strengthen the one that was behind it. Because our back wall separates between our house and someone else. And I knew he wouldn't build it. So I had to put my own infrastructure in to make sure that wall didn't fall on my side. So I did something. I labored and I took precautions and I put time and effort into it. That's what we're going to do. Your wife's, your wife's wall may be weak. So you as a husband may need to build your wall so that she can lean on you. Does that make sense? Your structure will bring her into an alignment or vice versa. Your kids may be a little bit off track. So if we build you and strengthen you, you may not be in a, in a, in a complete mess. You just may need strengthening. I believe your kids are going to be attracted to that strength in you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that some of you, God can turn some of our families around? This is why God's telling us seven months to see this happen. So Father, right now we stand before you. Lord, we take the challenge. We hear what the Spirit is saying to us. We're going to bring every family to the wall. We're going to be praying. We're going to be interceding. We're going to be fasting. Lord, you're going to show us how to build brick by brick and how to build this wall. Father, you're going to build Zion from the inside. You're going to give us words. You're going to give us strategies. You're going to give us the oil of joy. You're going to give us the focus. You're going to give us room to celebrate. Father, we look forward to seeing what you're about to do with us over these next coming months. Father, give us the strength to stay to our path. Father, we do, Lord, whatever happens in these next six months, seven months, Lord, we, I pray, oh Lord, we will not drift or shift. We will not <coughs> wane and we will not wander. But we will hold to our path. Whether we're on holiday or whether we're not on holiday. Whether, whether we're in the dark time or the, or the light time. Father, we will hold to our path. Because, Father, we know, Lord, you're about to do something powerful in the lives of your people. Marriages will be restored. Children will be healed. Health will come back to families. Finance will come stronger. Father, go deep. Put your hand into every area of the family. Father, as one people, we stand here, oh God, and we say, Lord, show us the good way. Show us the good way. So, Lord, so that we can find rest for our souls. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.